Amen. How we doing? Good. That's a really like slow good. Are we good? <laughs> good. Good. Well, um, we're. I'm good because God is good and He is on His throne. So thankful for that this morning. Um, gosh, guys, I there's so much I could say within this message this morning, um, and so much that the Lord has even taught me this week. Um, so bow with me and I'm going to pray that the Lord's words would be spoken this morning, that you would only hear that and not my own words. Um, So pray with me. Father, thank you that you are good, that you are seated on the throne. And God, forgive us for times where we try and place other things on the throne of our hearts and don't place you at the center. Father, I ask even right now that you would be still our hearts, that we would just be quiet, and we would hear your word and know it. Lord, I'm thankful that only you can change a heart, and so my job is to be faithful to present it, Lord, but I thank you that you are a God that is living and active, that your word is that, and so I can trust that your word is going to do something in our hearts, Lord, and so I do ask expectantly that you would move in mighty ways this morning. You would speak through me, you would get me out of the way, and that you would have your way fully and completely in our lives, including my own. Lord, we thank you that you have, that you sent your son Jesus to be born in the flesh, fully God, fully man, suffered um, temptations like we did, suffered a brutal death on a cross, and yet three days later rose, and because of that, we now can have hope. And that's why we are here gathered this morning is because we have hope in you. And so I ask that you would remind us of that this morning, that we would leave encouraged by your word, that it would feed our souls as food feeds, our, feeds ourselves as well. We love you in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, I'm gonna pause real fast and ask you guys a question. My question for you is where this week have you been tempted to, um, like, what lie have you been tempted to believe? Where have you been tempted um, by the enemy? What has been tempting you this week? Um, And I want you to just pause and think about it for a couple seconds. Um, And yeah, as the Lord brings to mind that, I want you to um, know that you have, Hebrews 4.15 says this, you have a great high priest who who is able to sympathize with your weakness. You have a high priest that is able to sympathize with your weakness. This is talking about Jesus. You are, that he was tempted in every way as we were, and yet he did not sin. And so we're going to study this morning Luke 4, verse 1 through 13. We're skipping a little bit of Luke because like Will said last week, there's a lot to Luke that we could go through. It'd be like, what, what did he say last week? Like 44 weeks of it or something like that if we actually wanted to go through everything. Um, but with specific, we're jumping to Luke 4 because I think this is important that, um, yeah, important to study. And so important to know this about the character of Jesus because when we know this, we um, can also walk through temptations that um, are in our way, that we can walk with confidence, that we, one, have a high priest that is able to sympathize because he himself was tempted in every way and yet was without sin is what Hebrews 4 was talking about. And so... What were you tempted with this week? What is on your heart? What lie have you fallen into, believed, um, trusted, and ultimately want you to know that we are living in a spiritual battle. We are living in a, in, a, in a spiritual battle. 
and I say this um, to my small group sometimes, but um, I even said this, I think, the freshman small group this week, but the most unloving thing for me to do if there was actually, like, if, if there was a war going on around us, okay, like, if actual war was going on, the most unloving thing for me to do was to tell you, hey, go walk to school with zero armor on, no sword, no shield, no anything, right? That's, like, so unloving for me to do. It would be, like, you being, like, so unprepared for what's out of your door, right? But reality is we are living in a spiritual battle. We are living in a, in a like, we can't even see it. There's spiritual realm that are fighting for our souls, for us to bite into these lies and bait that Satan has for us, that we have angels that are ministering to us, that we have a God that is mighty, that is powerful, that is able to sympathize, that is able to sympathize with us in our weakness, that is interceding on our behalf when we walk through these temptations. And so today, I want you to like rejoice in the fact that you have a, you have a, you have a king, you have a Lord, you have a savior who came to in, in like suffered in the flesh and yet was without sin so that we now can have life through him and hope in him. And so um, before this, right before this, a couple of verses, um, it's important to note that, and, and you'll see this in Matthew too, but right before the temptation of Jesus, which is what we're studying, there's a really key part to this story, which was his bap- Jesus's baptism. And the reason why I'm bringing this up and not just skipping to the temptation really fast is that there, there's, a, there's a key proponent of what God says to his son here, which is a beautiful setup to now what Jesus is about to experience and go into his ministry life. And I don't think I put this on the screen, so don't worry about it, but just listen to these words. The Holy Spirit descended on in him onto him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came out from heaven saying you are my beloved son this is saying it to Jesus if you're following along in your own Bibles it's verse 22 Um, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased okay so this just happened where the baptism of Jesus just took place the spirit descended onto him and a voice from the Lord said you are my beloved son in who I am well pleased and what does that mean he's given identity right? Like the, the son is like, this is the identity that I walk in. This is the pleasure that my Lord, my father, like has in me, over me, and, and like the, who I am in Christ. Okay, so this is my beloved son and who I am well pleased. And what's ironic is he's about to go into these temptations and all of these are like tempting his identity and his like, if you really are the son of God, and like you're, you'll see that in a, in, a bit, in a second. If you really are the son of God, but what did he, what was he just told by his father? You are my beloved son. You are the son of God and who I'm well pleased. But now Satan is on the other hand saying, well, if you are the son of God, you know, and we'll, we'll get into that. So key proponent is knowing like the identity of what, like of who Jesus, like Jesus knew his identity in this, knew where, like what his father um, stated over him. And that was like a ministry in itself to be able to overcome temptations. And so jump with me to um, Luke 4 verse 1, and we'll go from there. I'm going to study, we're going to study three, or yeah, three Ps, okay? One, Satan's going to tempt him about the Lord's provision. Two, his power. And three, his providence. Um, So we're going to study the first P real fast. So how was Jesus tempted? Look with me at verse one. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, because of what just happened, right? Returned from the Jordan, the Jordan River, because he was baptized, and was led by the Spirit, by the Spirit, that's important, into the wilderness. 
for 40 days, you can underline 40 because we're, we'll jump to that in a second, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. Okay, so Luke, being a doctor, is pointing out, hey, he's, he's eating nothing in these 40 days. That's kind of a key po- proponent because we all know when we get hungry, we get hangry, right? <laughs> it's easier to fall in temptations when we're what? Tired and two, and like one tired, two, like um, hungry, right? Okay, so Luke is making a note of that. And he ate during those days. And when they were, when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, you can underline that, circle that, whatever. Command this stone to become bread. So that's the temptation, right? How is Jesus being tempted? He's been being tempted to believe the doubt of like, if you are really the son of God, command this, this stone to be turned into bread, which is key because at the end of the day, he's like starving, right? So how much probably was he like, oh yeah, that would be pretty good for me to turn this stone into bread right now. And that would be pretty awesome. But what Jesus, or what Satan is ultimately tempting him to believe is that his father really isn't going to provide for him. Like the provision from the Lord is not going to come, so therefore you have to fill it yourself. Do it yourself because God's not clearly providing for you. If he was a good God, maybe he would have provided food already for you and you didn't have to suffer through 40 days of, no, of having no food. So really it's an ultimate attack on God's provision an ultimate attack on his provision. And let's see how Jesus responds to that. In verse um, four, it says, Jesus answered him, it is written, underline that, circle that, man shall not live by bread alone. And all my gluten-free friends in the room say, amen, (laughs) right? Just kidding. Um, No, that's not what he's saying. (laughs) He's saying, man shall not live by bread alone, which is basically him saying, no, 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 the Lord, my Lord, my King, my Father has provided before and therefore, I, don't, I can walk in confidence that he will continue to provide again. You can mark this to your side if you're taking notes. Deuteronomy 8, 2 through 3 is where he's quoting this, this scripture from. So it's an Old Testament quote. He's quoting this, and he's saying from Deuteronomy, when they were being um, tempted to not trust the Lord, the Israelites were back in the Old Testament, they were tempted to not trust in the Lord in his provision. And what, um, what ends up happening is God provides manna. God provides food from heaven every single day, which is why we say, give us this day our daily bread. It's like that daily bread that God gives his people that was like never, it would expire the next day. So you couldn't hoard it. You couldn't keep it. You couldn't, um, you know, hold on to it. You literally would just have to trust that the Lord would provide the next day for your daily bread, your every provision, right? And it's not just talking about food here, although he is quoting like scripture when it was talking about food, but he's talking about the everyday provision of what God was, God was providing for his people back then, and he will continue to provide. And what's ironic was in Deuteronomy, it's after 40 days, you can look back at the passage before, 40 days of them being in the wilderness. So what's ironic here, if you're, if you're picking up on why I'm emphasizing those things, is because God is redeeming what Israel could not do. What Israel was not faithful to do, Jesus himself was redeeming and was being faithful to what they were asked to do. So in our lack of faithfulness, God is still faithful. When we are tempted to doubt the provision of God, he is faithful to provide every single one of our needs. He is faithful to provide those provisions that we need, whether they're food or whether that's everything else in our life. And how I need this for my spiritual soul to be reminded of this is even this week. Truly, like even this week, the temptation to believe, Lord, are you going to provide today? <laughs> are you going to provide for me today? 
And what Jesus reminds me of in this passage is that I have to trust that if he was the, he's the same faithful God that he was in the Old Testament, he is the same faithful God that he is redeeming right now in this Luke passage, and he will continue to be the faithful God that he is in my life today. But where are you tempted to trust in your own provisions? Like, where are you tempted to, to fall into temptation and of, the, of the, like, is God really going to provide? Is God, like, do you think he's going to provide for you? Are you sure? Like, I don't know if he's proved himself. I don't, I don't know. But where are we tempted? So where in our lives have we been tempted to believe these thoughts, these temptations? Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's um, grades. Maybe it's body image of we try and provide and control everything. Because honestly, the lack of trusting is actually like taking it control ourselves. So where are we trying to control? Like, where are we trying to put our hand into every single one of these little spots of like, well, if I can just control this, then I'll be good. If I can do this myself, which is what Satan is basically saying, just do it yourself. If you really are the son of God, like, can't you do this, right? Wouldn't your God provide for you? I think I put this quote up. Um, it starts, it says this, if the, the devil wants to convince you that the desires you need have to be met in anything other than the Lord. But in reality, the bread that the devil will always, the bread of the devil will always lead to destruction and always leave you empty, even though he tries to convince you that it would lead to delight. It will always lead to leave you, to, like it will always leave you empty. It will always lead to destruction. Key in the fall of man in Genesis 3, right? Like, if, you're, if God would provide, like, you know, God's keeping something from you, God's withholding something from you, it always leads to destruction. I know this to be true in my own life as well, that when I give in to the lies, when I give in to the temptations of the devil, they never end up in the way that they, they I think they are going to go. It always leaves me empty and dry and more in, like, wanting something else. So do you know that to be true? Do you, like, do you, do you know that your God is a God that provides, is a God that knows your every need before you even know it, is what scripture says. Before the thought is even on your head, your God knows. He's a God that is faithful to redeem. Second, power. His second temptation is at against God's power. Look with me at verse five. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Actually, I threw, I put a picture up of actually the place and there's like a mountain. Um, there we go. This is actually where it's taking place. This is the wilderness in Israel. Um, I wasn't in this exact spot. I'll have another picture in a second that I was, but my mom took this picture in Israel of this is the wilderness. This is the, like where Jesus is being tempted. So kind of cool, right? Um, to actually see it in place, it puts perspective of like, whoa, this is really happening. This is really real. So verse five, and the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in the moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority in their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If then, will, if you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Okay, so maybe you're thinking like I was thinking. Wait, I thought God owned everything, not Satan. Wait, that is accurate. That is accurate that he isn't, like God is in control over everything. Satan has only what God gives him permission to do. Okay, so in other words, Satan has temporary power of this world given by God, but under the sovereignty of God. So it's only temporary power in this world given by God and under the sovereignty of God. So nothing that Satan does, tempts or like, or like does in general is outside of God's control and eyes and hands. And so 
what he is saying is, Jesus, take all of this. I can give it all to you right now if you just bow down and worship me. And honestly, like when you read it, you'd be like, maybe at first I was a little bit confused too, but when you break it down, what, like what was the road that Jesus was about to experience? It wasn't all this happy, everybody worships him all the time, right? It wasn't this beautiful picture of what a king really should look like. It was actually about to be suffering. Like Jesus was about to walk an incredibly hard road ahead of him. And so what Satan is actually saying, take this now, take this now if you bow down and worship me. Like, you know, give the cross up. It doesn't need to be, t- it doesn't need to happen. Like give that up, that, 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 can, that can wait. People can save themselves. It's okay, just bow down and worship me now. But guys, imagine, imagine if Jesus would not have taken the cross option. Like we would have no hope. We would have no like peace. Like it would almost be like, wait, what? If he actually was to bow down to Satan at this time, to surrender and say, you know what, fine, I'll take it now because the road seems a little bit easier than the journey I'm about to walk on. The road seems a little bit easier, but what Jesus knew and reminded himself of is that actually all glory, all honor, all power belongs to my Father and that one day I will receive it too, but it's gonna look like a road of suffering first for me to get there. Why? Because he loves you because he loves you and he loves me and he knew that we could never bridge that gap. We could never get to him. We could never, like, there was no way of obtaining salvation unless he came down to us. It's the only religion, Christianity is the only religion where our, like, we are not required to get to God. He came down to us because he knew he, he knew we had no way. So imagine life without, like, Jesus taking the road without the cross. Satan is tempting it. That is, that's in, it's anti-gospel without the cross. 1 Corinthians 15, 14, I, I think I put this passage up. And then verse 17 says this, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. And if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. <clears throat> what is it saying here? It's saying if Christ did not actually die and rise again, you're still in your sin. You're still, and that's the end of your story. That, like, what a hope we have because he did endure the cross. What a hope we have because he was resurrected three days later. And so how did Jesus respond? He said this in verse 8. And Jesus answered him, it is written, which is another thing he said again, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only shall you serve. Okay, so he is combating and saying basically from, uh, I think it's Deuteronomy 6, 5, if you're taking notes, Deuteronomy 6, 5, he's quoting here. He's quoting an Old Testament passage, once again in Deuteronomy saying, no, 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 you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. It is the greatest of all commandments. Worship him and him only shall you serve. So Jesus is combating that, saying, no, 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 I know scripture, I know the truth, I know that my God holds, like, will provide, and I know that my God holds power over all of these circumstances. So where in your life are you tempted to believe if you just had this, everything would be fine? Or where in your life, maybe, maybe you're thinking, man, I, Christianity looks awesome, these people, like, who believe this, like, but they, they still suffer, like, that doesn't seem awesome to me. 
But in reality, like, like Jesus suffered too and is our example of what we look like. Gold has to be refined and sharpened in order to be, to have the weight and the, of, of it, right? So it's sharpened, it's refined, it's made into the image of what God has created it to be. But the road involves suffering. And so where in your life are you tempted to be like, I want Christianity, but I don't want the road of sacrificing this. I don't want to lay down this. Like I, if I just, I don't want to give up this but everything else looks awesome. Like I'll believe Jesus, but if I, if I had like Jesus plus like this, then it'd be awesome, right? It's that Jesus plus mindset. And what Jesus is saying, it, Jesus did here is redeeming what we could not do once again. Redeeming what his, faith, his people back then in Israel did not do faithfully and what we still do not do faithfully all the time. And he's, he's redeeming it to be, to show my, my, my power, my, my glory is like, is this life is better with me. Like, walk it with me. His third temptation he's fighting against is the providence. Read it with me, starting in verse 9. And he took him to Jerusalem and sat, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. You can throw that picture up on the, um, on the slide. This is actually where, like on the temple wall, where he was um, taken up. Okay, so it's the southern, I think it's the southernmost part of, yeah, the pinnacle of the temple. Um, so anyways, you can now flip back to the scripture, just um, verse 9. He took him up to Jerusalem and sat him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, once again, he's saying that, right? You can circle that, underline that. If you really are the son of God, throw yourself down here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. What he is quoting here is Psalm 91, which is an amazing psalm. I would encourage you to go, let's go read it. Um, but what he's saying here is, if you truly are the son of God, throw yourself down, for, down from here, for it is written, like, shouldn't God save you? Basically what he's saying is, if your God is good, put him to test. Like, like prove it. Prove that your God is good. Prove that your God will save you. Prove that he is is God. Prove that you are, are also the son of God. And what Jesus responds here saying, verse 12, it is said, you can underline that again, it's another way of saying it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to test. And when the devil had, had ended every temptation, he departed from him until the opportune time. And so what, he's, what God uses, or what Jesus uses here, is another Old Testament passage um, to combat that as well, saying, no, 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 it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to test. There's a funny story in college. I remember coming out of a movie and there like was a Bible sitting. I think it was in my car or something like that. And some of my friends picked it up and they were like, you know, well, let's see what the Lord has to say to us. And just like opened it up and just, you know, pointed. And it literally was the verse, do not put the Lord your God to test. I'm not kidding y'all. And I literally, all of us looked around and were like, Oh my gosh, I hear you, Lord. Thank you for that answer. Like, do not put the Lord your God to test. And where in our lives are we putting the Lord to test? Like, where are we, like, you know what, God? Like, you know, like, if you're real, show yourself. If you're real, show yourself. Show us a sign. Show us all these things. And what he's saying here is, I've already shown you who I am. Like, know more of me. And the more you know me, you'll rest assured in that, in that rest assured in that. So he is once again redeeming what Israel did not do, was not faithful in. He is redeeming what we are not faithful in too. Like that's the story of this, is when we are unfaithful to fulfill all that God had, had wanted for us, the, de the design that he wanted us to walk in full union with him, 
we can we fall short of every single time but what he is saying here is because of me because of Jesus bridging that gap because of the high priest that we have that is able to sympathize for us he is then seated on the throne saying father like I know they cannot obtain salvation without me but it is because of me that you can allow them to grant access into eternal life and life abundant. Okay, so applications real fast for how we fight these temptations. I know I did three Ps before, now I'm gonna do four Rs, okay? Just to help you guys, I don't know, you know, just to help, straight up help. Um, One, resist, and I'm gonna kind of fly through these. Resist, um, James 4, 7 says this, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Y'all, if you memorize that, it is a beautiful passage. I actually was saying it to myself this morning. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. David Platt says this. Resist the devil. Why? Because you are a child of the king on a way to an everlasting kingdom. Because your identity does not, like your identity belongs to the Lord. Resist the devil. Why? Because you are a child of the king. If you belong to Jesus, if you have surrendered and submitted your life to Christ, you belong to the king and you are on the way to an everlasting kingdom. So resist the devil and he promises to flee from you. Two, remember. We remember the provision, like Jesus taught us here. He resisted the temptation, and he is remembering Old Testament scripture. He's remembering God's word in order to combat these temptations. So that armor that I was telling you about at the beginning, that armor that I would be like, hey, that would be really dumb if you didn't walk out. This is your armor. It's actually called the sword of the spirit. This is your armor to combat like the temptations of the devil is this his holy word of God this is called the sword so in order to like combat it you have to remember it so when we are tempted to believe something that is where scripture is so important to know to memorize to meditate on to have a a list on your phone of temptations or whatever that looks like for you personally or on your car or on your mirror whenever you are tempted wherever you are tempted to do something or to look at something maybe it would be helpful to have another verse on the side that says no 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 this is my this this is the God that I serve. Do not put the Lord your God to test. Um, remember, like remember His word. There's a quote in Narnia um, that says this from the uh, horse and his boy, boy and his horse, horse and his boy, horse and his boy. I think it's sort of this. <laughs> um, it says this. But first, remember, remember, remember the signs. Say them to yourself when you wake in the morning and when you lie down at night and when you wake in the middle of the night. And whatever strange things may happen to you, let nothing turn your mind from following these signs. That is why it is so important to know them by heart and pay no attention to the appearances. Remember the signs and believe the signs. Nothing else matters. Remember, remember, remember his word. (laughs) Remember the signs and this is your sign. This is your sign. Remember that. Romans 15, 4 says this. Whatever, for whatever is written in former days was written for our instruction, for our remembrance, so us, for us to remember. And through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Hope found in remembrance. So remember whose you are. Remember his word has power to it. Remember your identity. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, your identity is now a beloved child in whom he is well pleased. A beloved child in whom he is well pleased. Remember that. Three, repent. 
because we do not often resist and remember. We often are unfaithful, like I've been talking about, like Israel was as well in the Old Testament. Repent. When we do fall short of these temptations and are deceived by the enemy, repent, which means literally turn your ways from one side to the other. Do not walk in that way any longer. Repent and turn because Jesus has redeemed all things because Jesus' blood has covered you and has redeemed all things. Luke 5, 32 says, I have not come to call, this is Jesus' words just a chapter later, I have not come to call the righteous but, but sinners to repentance. Repentance, repentance, repentance is key when we fall short of the glory of God and his grace is there to catch us, to wrap us up and to say, I, I know and yet I'm like, you're my beloved child on the way to an everlasting kingdom because of Jesus's blood. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He is faithful, y'all, and just to forgive us. Four, rejoice. Rejoice in the truth of the gospel that Jesus came, lived a perfect life that we could never do, died in our place and rose again that's the grace that we have been given. That's the abundance of life because of his blood, because of his beautiful, like his beautiful redemption, because he has been our redeemer. Therefore, we can rejoice in all that the Father does. Rejoice in your identity found in the Lord. Isaiah 61 10 says this. <clears throat> Gosh, this is so beautiful. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, as a bride adorns herself with jewels. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord for he has clothed me in his garments. He has taken mine off that are filthy, that are disgusting, and he has wrapped me in his beautiful garment of grace. There's a book called The Hiding Place. Corrie ten Boone um, wrote this, and she was put in um, Nazi, um, or he, she was living in the time of World War II, put in a Nazi camp, um, or a concentration camp, I guess, and she was not even a Jew. So she was kind of wrongly accused, and her whole story is so beautiful because her and her sister are living in this, like, actual living hell. Like, it is absolutely terrible of what they're enduring. If you read this book, you would understand the, the pain, the brutalness that's going on, the cruelty that's happening, and yet, and her father just passed away because of this br um, brutal cruelty, and yet this is how they combat, like, temptations to believe. This is how her and her sister believe that God is still good. This is how they remember. This is how they rejoice. This is how they resist the devil, and this is how they walk in it. It says, it grew harder and harder. Even within these four walls, there was too much misery, too much seemingly pointless suffering. Every day, something else failed to make sense. Something else grew too heavy. Will you carry this too, Lord Jesus? But, the, but as the rest of the world grew stranger, one thing became increasingly clear, and that was the reason the two of us were here. She's talking about her and her sister. Why others should suffer, we were not shown. As for us, that morning until lights out, whenever we were not in ranks or ranks for roll calls, our Bible was a center of ever widening circle to, of help and hope. Like waves clustered around a blazing fire, we gathered about it, holding out our hearts to its warmth and light. The blacker the night around us grew, the brighter and truer, the more beautiful burned, and more beautiful the word, 
sorry, in more beautiful burn, the word of God. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. This is how Corey and Betsy fought the temptation to, to like resisted the devil. This is how they remembered his word. They brought to mind scripture and they rejoiced because they're like they knew the outcome. They knew the hope. They knew the redemption that Jesus had brought and they knew the like they knew the eternal perspective of what was coming. And the beautiful part is that three years later, also, um, like three years later, in this story, Jesus was led into the wilderness, but he was led up another hill. And he was tempted in the very similar questions. If you really are the son of God, bring yourself down from the cross. It says in Luke later in this chapter. If you really are the son of God, can't you save yourself? Can't you bring yourself down from the cross? Instead of saying it is, it is written, he says it is finished. Like instead of, like if you really are the son of God, throw yourself down from the cross. And yet he said, no, that's not, that's, that's not like, this is the cup I have to take because I know my people will never be faithful. Like in the way that I've called him to be faithful, but I know my blood has, has like poured over that. And now we can walk in the freedom and the redemption of that. The, the joy that it is now, it is now finished. It is finished. Instead of it is he, him saying it is written, but now we have this to go back to. It is finished. There is beauty. So now we can sing the song saying, when Satan tempts me to despair, when Satan tempts me to fill in the blank, when Satan tempts me to doubt, when Satan tempts me to fear, when Satan tempts me to whatever you were experiencing this week, whatever that temptation was at the beginning, and tells me of the guilt within. Upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, he endured it perfectly. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just was satisfied to look on him and pardon me. That's a beautiful picture of what this story is talking about. Like when Satan tempts me to despair, I now can upward, uh, like turn my eyes upon Jesus. And as I do, he is look like he, he now has taken, has pardoned me and has taken it on himself and said, now you are counted free because of, I was sinless and I have died. So we're gonna sing that song, but first pray with me. Father, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the three words, it is finished. Thank you that you really are the son of God and that you knew that full identity so well that when you were tempted to not believe it, you went back to that continuously. You went back to your word. So Lord, help us to resist the devil, submit ourselves to God. Help us to remember our true identity. Help us to know your word and to remember that when we are tempted to fall into temptations. God, and help us to repent when we fall short of the glory of God, including myself, and help us to rejoice in the truth of the gospel that is good. Because of that, Lord, we now have a God that is worth following. So when Jesus calls us to follow me, Lord, my answer is yes. And I pray that our answers would be the same thing that we would follow you because you are a good God that is worthy of all praise, that is worthy of all our, 
honor and power and glory, that a God that provides, a God that has power, a God that has his, your providence is, is good, your care for us is good. We love you and thank you for who you are.